Now, I'm going to say something today, but you need to promise you won't overreact. Ready? Here goes. The Bible is full of lies. It's true. There are so many lies in the Bible. Now, to be clear, I don't mean that the Bible is a lie or that the things written on its pages are untrue, for the Bible is the most important thing in my life. What I mean is that the Bible is littered with stories of God's people caught in a lie. Here's one for starters. You will not die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God's. That's the lie that started off the whole story, the lie spoken by the serpent appearing to Adam and Eve. Sarah denied laughing at the news of her pregnancy when in fact she did. Jacob's sons lie to their father when they tell him that their brother Joseph of beautiful coat fame was killed when really they sold him into slavery. And Peter, Peter lies three times, each time denying he knows Jesus. The Bible is full of lies, and it makes sense, for the Bible is the story of the people of God, and God's people are not. We are human, and humans lie. All of us do. We can't help it. Scientists say we humans lie an average of one to two times a day, and we are lied to ten to twelve times a day. We start doing it as early as two years old, and it is one of the most sophisticated functions of the human brain. We do it for many reasons, and sometimes it has its benefits. Avoiding hard conversations, maintaining relationships, just trying to be nice. Other times, we lie for personal gain, not getting caught, avoiding punishment, making ourselves look good. But what's more, lying, and lying consistently, rewires the brain. The more we lie, the more our brains become desensitized to the fear of getting caught or hurting others making lying for our own benefit much easier, but also a bit more complicated to discern truth. The more we lie and the more others lie, the harder it is to sort out the truth. And for God's people in the wilderness, the truth was everything. They had no idea where they were going. Their patience was always running thin. The bonds that kept the community together were so new and tender and fragile. So God gives them those ten words, the Ten Commandments, to bind them, to give them order and purpose and belonging. And baked within those ten words, God commands them to protect the truth. You shall not bear false witness. You shall not lie. It was a law common in all the major cultures of the ancient Near East. You shall not bear false witness. 
You see, without the benefit of scientific evidence, cameras, DNA, a person's word was everything. By a person's testimony, their word, another was judged. And there were harsh attempts to ensure this system of truth would work. For the punishment for false witness could sometimes be the same punishment to which they had exposed the accused. What's more, false witness, lying, also included denying or hiding the truth. The truth was sacred, and so the stakes were high, not just because it was people's reputations on the line, or even their lives, but the whole community. To lie was to put the entire justice system, the entire society, at risk. For the community of God depended on integrity and truthfulness. To disrupt it with lies would sow distrust between siblings, neighbors, and leaders. And it could crumble the fragile ties that kept them bound. Without truth, and without the trust that everyone was telling the truth, they would be doomed. God's people couldn't afford to lie. But there's another aspect to this commandment, and honestly, it complicates things just a bit. Our speech is sacred, holy. What we say matters because it defines who we are, honest or dishonest, moral or immoral, full of integrity or empty of it. Speech is sacred because it is godlike. It was God who spoke the world into being and gave us the same ability to create with our words. To speak is to create a new reality. What we speak becomes real. And so to falsely speak, to lie, violates creation as God has made it. Because we are naming something other than it is, we distort God's reality, we cheapen speech, and when we do that, we weaken the fragile trust that holds God's creation together. We know the consequences of destroying reality, lying. Our life now is post-truth, half-truths, fake news, alternative facts. We are inundated by highly charged accusations, bold-faced lies, rumors, false speech, old truths, now new lies. We are reaching the point at which we do not know who to trust or who to believe, what is true and what is a lie, and it is breaking the nation. So how do we get out of this quagmire, this web of lies? How do we push back on this invasion of falsehood? It's simple. Tell the truth. It's as simple as that it's not a high art. It takes no fancy styling, but it does take some courage. Tell the truth. Christians are called, commanded, to tell the truth. We speak truth. We align ourselves with facts and reality, because when we don't, when we don't object or counter, if we don't set the record straight, our silence 
becomes a lie, and we distort God's creation. We become good company to the lie and the liar. Christians don't sit back when someone tells us racism is over. We tell the truth. Christians don't allow someone to peddle false claims about the coronavirus or how great our system was before the coronavirus. We tell the truth. Christians don't smile politely when someone goes on about how the climate crisis is a hoax or that nothing can be done about it. We tell the truth. When we ground ourselves in truth, we may be ostracized for refusing to go along with the lie and the dishonesty, but we cannot be destroyed. For truth is God's reality, and it will free us. Truth, said Elizabeth Cady Stanton, is the only safe ground to stand upon. Yes, our world is full of lies, but we have been given that godly, sacred gift which cures all lies, the ability to speak truth. So good Christians, tell the truth. It's a commandment, and our world depends on it. Amen.